Hello, this is Zandi Hicks. This podcast is called Bold, Brave, and Daring because, well, that's already inside of you. You can choose to be bold, brave, and daring every day of your life. And this podcast teaches you how to walk through life with God, Him showing you how to become bold, brave, and daring. This podcast is like letters from God Himself. So stay tuned because I know that He wants to speak right to you. So today is letter 26 of the Screw Tape Letters. And this letter is about how to get the man and the woman slowly opposing one another. How true is that? (laughs) Um, So it starts out the chapter saying, Courtship is the time for sowing those seeds which will grow up ten years later into domestic hatred. The enchantment of unsatisfied desire produces results which the humans can be made to mistake the results of charity. Avail yourself of the ambiguity in the word love. Let them think they have solved by love problems they have in fact only waived or postponed until the influence of the enchantment is over. While at last you have your chance to foment the problems in secret and render them chronic. So what that's saying is while you're in the beginning stages of a relationship, you can dismiss problems that you see because love covers the problems and the enchantment. It just it's in the surroundings so you're not really noticing the problems as much or you just push them aside. But once the infatuation and the enchantment wears off, that's when the problems start stirring up. And so the demon's job is to stir up the problems in secret, and then they'll come up later. The first problem that they cover is selfishness and unselfishness, and how men and women have different views of that. So it says, a woman means by unselfishness, chiefly taking trouble for others. A man means not giving trouble to others. As a result, a woman who is quite far gone in the enemy's service, in God's service, will make a nuisance of herself on a larger scale than any man except those whom our Father has dominated completely. And conversely, a man will live long in the enemy's camp before he undertakes as much spontaneous work to please others as quite an ordinary woman may do every day. Thus, while the woman thinks of doing good offices in the man of respecting other people's rights, each sex, without any obvious unreason, can and does regard the other as radically selfish. Okay, so men think they're being unselfish if they're not a bother. Women think they're being unselfish when they help as many people as possible. Hello, people pleasers. <laughs> and I've definitely fallen in, into that category many times. So there's the difference, the man and the woman. And then the next problem is when the enchantment phase is still going on and you'll do anything for your partner. And then once that wears off, then the partner asks you to do stuff and they're expecting the same thing as they got when they were, you guys were in the enchantment stage. And it's a lot harder to serve the person now. Honestly, this is part of honoring our spouse as God has asked us to, to take care of them. But when the enchantment or infatuation goes away, it's harder to give to your spouse unselfishly, especially if you're not getting anything in return. It goes on to say, The erotic enchantment produces a mutual complacence in which each is really pleased to give in to the wishes of the other. They also know that the enemy demands of them a degree of charity, which, if attained, would result in similar actions. You must make them establish as a law for their whole married life that degree of mutual self-sacrifice which is at present sprouting naturally out of the enchantment, 
but which, when the enchantment dies away, they will not have charity enough to enable them to perform. They will not see the trap since they are under the double blindness of mistaking sexual excitement for charity and of thinking that the excitement will last. So that's what I explained. Like, you know, God asks us for a degree of charity, for a degree of giving of ourselves. You want to give to your spouse, but it shouldn't be out of selfishness or thinking, I'm being so unselfish right now by taking care of them, because then you have the wrong motive instead of God has asked me to serve them and that's why I want to serve them. And because you love them and you want to take care of them and it's a gift that you get to take care of them and they're a gift. So it keeps going and it talks about how person A will say, we'll do what you want to do. And then person B says, no, we'll do what you want to do. And then they feel good about themselves because they've sacrificed. And then the other person feels a little bit of a grudge because they don't get to be the sacrificial one and feel the pride of that. Just like we talked about in the last chapter about spiritual pride. This is another category of pride. It says, a sensible human once said, if people knew how much ill-feeling unselfishness occasions, it would not be so often recommended from the pulpit. And again, quote-unquote, she's the sort of woman who lives for others, and you can always tell the others by their hunted expression, end quote. All this can be begun even in the period of courtship. So sometimes it's better just to speak your mind and say what you'd like than play the martyr and silently begrudge the other person because they got what they wanted. And that's what this is saying. This is preached a lot from the pulpit to be unselfish. And Jesus did say, I didn't come to be served, but to serve others and to give my life for them. So if we're supposed to give our life for people and we're supposed to serve them instead of be served, that's what we're called to do. But we're not called to live as a martyr with a mindset of I'm being unselfish and I'm going to give my give of myself because of the wrong motive. That's the main thing behind it. The last thing that this chapter says is if they notice them, they will be on the road to discovering that love is not enough, that charity is needed and not yet achieved, and that no external law can supply its place. So, We can enjoy each other and serve each other out of love for one another without falling for self-righteousness. It takes a conscious effort to do things for people without patting yourself on the back and thinking, I am the best. I serve everybody. And, you know, I think we all fall into this, especially in marriage. You think, I serve this person. I take care of them. I deserve whatever it is. We totally do that in our heads of like, I deserve to be treated the way that I want to be treated. I deserve for him to take me shopping. I deserve for him to cook every once in a while. I deserve for him to help me around the house. I deserve whatever it is. When in the infatuation stage, we never say those things. In the infatuation stage, we're always like, oh, it's whatever you want to do and I will serve you. And of course, I'll take care of you. And it's a privilege to take care of them. Because In the beginning stage of a relationship, that's when you see that person as truly a gift and you're so grateful for them and it's all new and fun and exciting. And then you get married and those feelings go away. I mean, statistically, they're supposed to last six months to two years. Like that's the longest that they last. And then you get into the hard stuff. And then like what the last line says in the letter is like, they'll realize that love is not enough. It takes all of the things that make a marriage work and for you to enjoy each other and serve each other out of love. It takes 
choosing to love the person every day. It takes choosing to serve the person every day. It takes commitment. It takes saying, you know, I made vows to this person that I would love and cherish them forever. And I have to do that now. And I'm grateful I get to do it. And seeing your spouse as a gift, it's not easy. Marriage is not easy. And having relationships with people is not easy. But they're all a gift. And as we've learned so much throughout this book, there's so many traps in the relationships that we have in our lives. Love has to be unconditional. There can't be conditions on how we love our spouse and how we cherish them. I'm writing a book on marriage, and one of the chapters is about sanctity, which means utmost importance. And Paul talks about it in Hebrews. The verse says, honor the sanctity of marriage. And sanctity sounds like a really churchy word. It just means ultimate importance. So honoring that marriage needs to be of ultimate importance. That's how we keep this trap away from our marriage, away from feeling like, you know, self-righteous and that I'm the only one who serves my spouse and I'm the only one who blah, 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 whatever it is. This keeps your mindset as to what's most important is that I'm going to honor that my marriage is of ultimate importance and that my spouse is a gift and I'm grateful for them and I get to serve them and not letting all of the little everyday occurrences that can get under your skin, get under your skin. (laughs) Know that it's a blessing to have them. So yeah, that is letter 26. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow about letter 27. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. Bold, Brave, and Daring is all about making you bold, brave, and daring. Like I say, because it's already inside of you and God wants to show that to you. So if you have any questions, please DM me, message me. I would love to hear your questions or about what God has done in your life. So let me know, comments, and I love you. And I hope that you have a wonderful week.